We are closing out our Freedom Series uh, today. And, and how many of you enjoyed the Freedom Series? Have y'all enjoyed the Freedom Series? We, we've been, it's, this is the sixth week. This is part six, week six. And uh, let me just say, if you've missed any of the previous weeks, please go back and listen to them on the website or on the podcast, uh, just to kind of, it all, so it all come together for you. But this is the sixth week of our series And uh, we've been uh, going through the book of Galatians and uh, really seeing this letter that the Apostle Paul has been writing uh, to a church in Galatia. And he's been addressing the fact or showing us that there is this incredible freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. There's a freedom that we have uh, in Jesus, that this freedom that we don't have to believe the lie of this different gospel that he said in chapter one, this different gospel that says that there is more that you have to do uh, to be loved and accepted by God. This lie that says that what Jesus did on the cross was not enough for you to receive salvation, was not enough for you to be uh, uh, loved and accepted by God, was not enough for you uh, uh, to be uh, welcomed by God or or for God to be pleased with you. And so they were putting on these uh, Galatians, these, these Gentiles, they were putting on them more than what was required on them. Instead of receiving this wonderful free gift of grace that we've been given because of Jesus, this grace, this unearned gift, this unearned favor from God, they were telling him, hey, that's fine, but there's still more you have to do. You still need to abide by our customary laws, the the laws that we've been living by all of our lives. You still have to do that. You still have to be circumcised. You still have to eat the right foods that we eat in order for you to really be loved and accepted by God. And Paul said, that's not true. I need you to break free from that lie. And so Paul addresses this uh, throughout the book. Uh, And then also we learned over the past few weeks, we've not only been free from uh, man-made religion and rules and regulation and legalism, but we've also been free from our old sinful nature. We've been free from our old sinful nature, those sins that we were so entrapped in, those sins that had us bound. Paul says you're also free from those things. And we talked about that over the past couple of weeks. And so we've been talking about freedom and we've been identifying what it is that we are free from. And so today in closing, week six, today we're going to talk about not only what we are free from, but we're going to talk about what we are free for. In other words, there is a purpose for your freedom. There's a purpose for your freedom. Repeat after me. There is a purpose for my freedom. And Paul is going to sum up this entire letter talking about the purpose of our freedom, the very reason why we are free. And so we'll be in Galatians chapter 6 this morning, but before we read there, I'm actually going to turn back into chapter 5 and begin at verse 13. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. You can also follow along on the screen. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And so Paul makes it very clear. 
You've been called to be free. We've been talking about freedom this entire letter. But he says, don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. In other words, there were, there were those that would hear this, 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 this news of this freedom, this news of this grace, and say, wow, that's amazing. It's Jesus that makes me righteous. That's amazing. I can be forgiven of all my sin. And so there are people who, who say, man, I've got this brand new freedom, so that means that I can live any which way that I want to live. I'm going to be forgiven anyway. And so let me just live freely. Let me live as a free person. And let me just do whatever it is that I want to do. And Paul's saying, no, that's not what we're saying. This freedom that you have is not for you. This freedom that you have is not for you to indulge your flesh. Though you've been free from the law, it doesn't mean that you go on and live lawless. How many of you can, can relate to that? Because I, I think that we've all, at one point or another in our Christian walk, we said, hey, man, I've got the grace of Jesus anyway. I'm, I'm good, so I can go on and live any which way I want to live. It doesn't make a difference. It's all good. I'm going to be forgiven anyway, so let me just go ahead and do this. Let me go ahead and live this way. Let me go ahead and live lawless. And so Paul is saying, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. Because if you live that way, it's like you breaking out of one cell going into another one. You're going to be bound again. So he said, don't use your freedom to indulge your flesh. Instead, rather live in your freedom to love and serve one another to love and serve one another. You want to know the purpose of your freedom? It's for other people. It's to love and serve one another, to love your neighbor as yourself. And so the, the reality for us is to come to a realization that our freedom is not for us alone. A, a, a true way for us to enjoy our freedom is to love and serve one another. And so what that means is we, are, we, we live in a freedom that takes the attention off of ourselves and places the attention on other people. It means that our hearts and our minds and everything that we do is for others. It's to serve others. It's to love others. To love your neighbor as yourself. And, and, and it's quite interesting that Paul waits to the end of this letter to talk about serving. Because the whole first portion of this letter, he's talking about this freedom. He said, don't live under the curse of the law. Don't live under that stuff. Don't live under that. You are free because of the grace of Jesus. You are free from all these different things. And now Paul is going to sum it all up talking about serving. And I think the reason why he waited to the end of this letter to talk about serving, because he, he didn't want people to get confused thinking, hey, well, in order for me to be saved, I need to serve. See, we, we're, we're not saved by serving. Don't get it confused. You're not saved by serving, but you are saved for serving. You're saved for serving. You're free so you can serve others. You are free so you can love others. My freedom has a purpose. Your freedom has a purpose. 
Last year, uh, uh, Nancy and I had the opportunity to uh, attend or go to the, the Smithsonian African American Museum uh, in Washington, D.C. And uh, we both kind of agreed it's probably one of the best museums we've ever been to, one of the best museums ever. And uh, one of the highlights of this museum uh, that, that, that we went through was the, the display and exhibit showing Harriet Tubman. Does everybody know who Harriet Tubman is? Right? Uh, Harriet Tubman, in the 1800s, she was, uh, she was born into slavery. She was born as a slave, as a baby, born into slavery. Her parents were both slaves. Her families were slaves. And Harriet Tubman, as a child, she experiences extreme, the extreme hardships of slavery, uh, the abuse and horrific acts of slavery. In fact, at five years old, she was tasked uh, uh, with the, the job of, of watching over the taskmaster's babies at five years old. And anytime the baby would cry, she would get beaten because she couldn't keep the baby quiet. Even there was even a story that Harriet Tubman, she, uh, they, they, they threw this weight at a, this, this, this iron weight at another slave. Well, as a little kid, she got hit in the head with it and it, and it caused her to have like a lot of mental issues and, and issues with her brain. And so she just suffered just a lot of traumatic stuff as a slave. Well, eventually, mid 1800s, she, was able to break free, and she escaped slavery. And she left Maryland, where she was a slave, a slave at, and she traveled to Philadelphia. And in Philadelphia, she's living this life as a free person. She's living a life free from slavery. She's living a life from free from all the mess and all the junk and all the horrific stuff she was going through as a child. She's free now. But the thing that was interesting about Harriet Tubman was that it was hard for her to truly enjoy her freedom knowing there were others who were still not yet free. And so what did she do? She decided to return back to Maryland and began the role of helping free her family from slavery. Not only her family, but many other people. That's why her name is so synonymous with the Underground Railroad. She would use this as a means to free slaves. And they even gave her the nickname of Moses because she was leading the slaves out of bondages and she was leading them to freedom. Her freedom had a purpose. It was hard for her to enjoy her freedom knowing that there were others who were still not yet free. And I remember reading this and reading her story and seeing all the memorabilia and stuff that they had for her. And I remember thinking to myself, man, this is so parallel to the Christian life. Meaning it's hard for us to truly enjoy and embrace our freedom, knowing that there are other people who are still not yet free. You can't do it because our freedom has a purpose. You can't be a free person and truly enjoy it, not knowing the purpose of your freedom. And that purpose of your freedom is serving and loving other people. See, we can come into a service like this and we can get excited with one another and we can love one another. And it's really, really great. We are celebrating our freedom. Our freedom that we have in Jesus. But there's got to be a point where we stop and say, hey, 
It's really hard to fully embrace and enjoy this freedom, knowing there are people outside of these walls who are still yet bound. My freedom has a purpose. And until I start living in that purpose, then I can't truly enjoy my freedom. That's how it was designed. That's how God designed it. Not that we can indulge our flesh. Not that we can just solely look at the freedom in and up for ourselves. But rather that we would serve one another humbly in love. Our freedom has a purpose. We've been designed and set free to serve and love one another. Galatians chapter 6 verse 10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to all people. Say all people. Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Right? So now he says, since we've been given this opportunity, since we've been given this freedom, let us do good to all people. Let us do good to everybody, but especially to those here. The problem is we don't even get this right. We don't even get this part of it right. We don't even serve and love the people of the house of God all the time. He said, but since you've been given this opportunity, since now you've experienced this freedom, get out of yourself. Take the attention and focus off of yourself. And begin to look to those around you. Since you've been given the opportunity... Since you've been given this freedom, let's do good to all people, especially to those in the house of God, especially to those here at Arise Church. My freedom has a purpose. Your freedom has a purpose. That's to love and serve one another. To love and to serve one another, not to indulge in our own fleshly desires. So, how do we walk in that purpose? Right? You know me. I'm I'm going to get practical for you. Because I don't want you to walk out of here wondering, like, hmm, what did Chris really mean? What, what, what do you really mean? I mean, freedom has a purpose. Okay, well, what does that really look like? Well, I'm going to break it down for you because I don't want you to leave out of here uh, empty-handed. I want you to leave with something. I want you to leave knowing these truths. I want you to leave knowing the first step and what you need to do to walk in your purpose-filled freedom. And so what do we need to do as believers to walk in this purpose of our freedom? What do we need to do to truly love and serve one another? How does that look like for us? Well, the first thing that we need to do as believers when it comes to loving and serving one another, number one is this, is to identify my sphere of influence. You need to identify your sphere of influence. Because whether you knew this or not, you all have a sphere of influence. You all have people in your life that you influence. Some large, some small. 
But we all have a sphere of influence. 2 Corinthians 10, 13, again, the Apostle Paul writing to a church. He says, we, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that also includes you. So what is he saying there? There is this unique sphere of influence that God has created and crafted solely for you. Your sphere of influence is going to be way different than mine. Your sphere of influence is going to look way different than hers, than his. It's going to be different. God has uniquely crafted each and every one of us with a sphere of influence. Well, what is the sphere of influence? Break, break that down for us. And I've, I've heard this said before, and I don't remember where I've heard this, but uh, the sphere of influence of a person is usually broken down in, in three different ways. Uh, the first way we can identify our sphere of influence, number one, is my people. Who are my people? Who are your people? That begins with the family. Your family is your sphere of influence. See, many people think a sphere of influence solely, just solely relates to a platform, but it does not. See, me coming off this platform is me saying, hey, I have a sphere of influence just like you do. And my sphere of influence starts in my home. It starts in my house. It starts with your spouse. It starts with your children. You have a sphere of influence, and you need to identify that. And you need to ask yourself the question, if I am truly free, am I operating in my freedom's purpose? That purpose being serving and loving those in my sphere of influence. Am I serving and loving those in my family? See, some of us want to change the world for Jesus. Send me to the nations, God. And God's like, that's cool, but I need you to serve and love your family first. I need you to truly serve and love your wife first. I need you to truly love and serve your husband first. Love and serve your children first. Before you disciple the nations, are you discipling your own family? Are you loving and serving them? Identify your sphere of influence. Who are your people? Who are those you are in contact with? My people. Your place. Where are you at? Your coworkers. Sphere of influence. Your schoolmates, a sphere of influence. The people you are in contact with on a weekly basis, your sphere of influence. Your Zumba class, your sphere of influence. People still do Zumba? Okay. Identify your sphere of influence. Before you start looking beyond to the nations and anywhere else, God has uniquely crafted a sphere of influence for you. 
Paul said, I don't boast beyond my proper limits. I don't, I don't, I don't boast beyond that because I realize there's a parameter God has set for me. God has given me a people. God has given me a family. He's given me a household. He's given me a job. I have coworkers. I have all these people around me. Now that is my sphere of influence. These are the people that God has fashioned for me to love and to serve. Identify sphere of influence. Amen, Chris. All right, all right, number two. I just had to do that. It got a little quiet. Middle section got a little quiet. Because <laughs> it's good. Identify your sphere of influence. My people, my place, also your passion. What, are, what, what moves your heart? What moves your heart? Ask the Lord. He will show you. The second thing. And the second step we need to move in when it comes to the purpose of our freedom. Not only do we need to identify the sphere of influence, but we also need to meet them in their place of need. Now that we see the people, now that we see the sphere that God has given us, now we need to identify what is their place of need. Where do they lack in that I can come in and fulfill? Where do they lack in that I can come in and serve? Where are they hurting that I can come in and comfort? Where are they lonely that I can come in and be a friend? What is their place of need? What is their place of need? Galatians chapter 6 verse 2, he says this, to carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. What did Jesus say was the greatest commandment of all time? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, right? And to what? Love your neighbor as yourself. He said, if you carry one another's burdens, if you really meet them in their place of need, he said, you're fulfilling the law of Christ, basically saying all the laws you're trying to, to meet and all these laws you're trying to keep to try to get God to be pleased with you, forget all that for a moment. It, we can sum it all up in these, one in these one few things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love people, your neighbor, as yourself. That's the greatest I would so rather try to keep the law of Christ than to try to keep all the rules and regulations that man puts on me. And that's, and that's just, that's just the, the purpose of our freedom. That is defining the purpose of why we are free. Meet them in their place of need. I heard this said one time, and I'll never forget it. He said, this pastor said, he said, many people are trying to ask God for what their calling is, right? He said, God, what is my calling? God, what is my calling? And I think we've all asked God that at one time or another. God, what is my calling? And this pastor simply said, man, the calling is in the need, right? You don't have to look far to see your calling because you look just to take a few steps. You can see a need. Just step and meet that need. 
in your sphere of influence, in your family, in your spouse, in your children, what is their need? Let me meet that need. And your coworkers and your friends and those that you are around, what is their need? Let me meet that need. We look here in the church. The household of faith, the house of God, the family of believers. And we can look around and say, hey, what is their need? You want to discover your calling? You want to discover your purpose? Well, look for the need. I promise you, you'll find it. And if you still need help with all of that, man, this church has a lot of needs. Start serving somewhere. Start serving somewhere. There are some babies that need your love and attention right now. There are some children upstairs right now that would love for you just to pour into them. Where's the need? You don't have to look too far. Start serving. Start serving. Open your eyes and just look around and say, you know what? I I see there's a need here. Let me just step in and meet that need. When we first came to this church as a couple, it was about 2001 or so when we came here. And Nancy and I weren't married yet, but we knew this was a place we wanted to plan ourselves. We knew this is where we wanted to raise our family, and we just felt like this is where we needed to be. Why? Because there was a need. And there was different needs. When we first got here, one of the first things Nancy started doing was greeting. She said, well, what's the need? Let's start greeting. And then uh, it would be every other week or so, the church would travel to downtown Dallas, go feed the homeless. She was like, hey, I'll, I'll, we'll, I'll travel downtown to go feed the homeless with y'all. We'll do that. Many of you probably went to that as well. Myself, I just came, I started serving here, I was ushering, I was doing words on the screen, I was just doing whatever. What's the need? What's the need? Instead of me asking what my calling is, let me just start serving, let me just start plugging in. What, what, what do you need? Pastor Sonny, what do you need? Need me to carry your Bible for you? I'll do it. No, 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 that's all right. I take it from him anyway. So I got it. Right? Why? What's the need? Just look around. You'll see the need. But sometimes we overcomplicate things. And we're asking God, give me a sign. Lord, show me something. He's like, man, just open your eyes. Look around, please. Carry one another's burdens. Carry one another's burdens. And oftentimes that means when you see a fellow brother and sister, maybe they're, they're entrapped or, or caught up in a sin. Instead of standing standing on the side, just looking at them, pointing the finger and judging them, maybe it's us coming alongside them and say, hey, let me walk with you in this. You need a friend, I'll be your friend. You're struggling in this area, let let me help carry that burden with you. Let me walk with you. Meet them in their place of need. It's not that difficult. My freedom has a purpose. Meet them in their place of need. So we've identified our sphere of influence. We've identified our people, our place, our passion. 
Now we identify their needs. What needs and what ways can we step in and serve them and love them? What ways can we step in and be there for them? And thirdly, and the most important out of all of these, is to always point them to Jesus and his church. Always point them to Jesus. Always direct them to the one that is truly going to give them life and freedom. Always direct them to the one that is truly going to give them real hope and peace and joy. Always direct them to Jesus. Because he can give them something that you can never give them. He can give them eternity. He can give them real freedom. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Jesus himself makes this statement. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Who doesn't want that? But see, many people don't want Jesus because they don't truly know who he is. They have man's idea of who Jesus is. But if we would point them to the real Jesus and say, hey, Jesus has everything that you need. He will give you the rest that you need. He will give you the peace that you need. He will give you the joy that you need. I can meet the tangible needs for you right now. I can come alongside you and take you by the hand and walk with you. I can do all this stuff. But at the end of the day, Jesus fulfills the need that I could never fulfill. And if we're just meeting needs without pointing to Jesus, we're just humanitarians. That's all we are. And humanitarianism is not going to get you into the kingdom of God. Only Jesus can. But Paul said, man, don't use this freedom to solely look at yourself and indulge your flesh. Instead, rather, use your freedom to serve and humbly love one another. That's the whole purpose. That's why you are free. How can you enjoy your freedom knowing there are others who are still not yet free? My freedom has a purpose. And let me be honest with you, serving and loving one another is not always the easiest thing. Because let's be honest, there are times loving people who are unlovable is very difficult. It's hard to serve people who you feel are constantly draining you. Some of you are here this morning and you were just tired. Like, I've been loving people. I've been serving people. 
And it seems it's just taking everything out of me. They're taking everything out of me. I don't know if I have anything left to give. That's some of you this morning. But he never promised that it was easy. He never promised that this life was easy. He never promised that your freedom, the purpose of your freedom would be easy. But there is one promise that he does make. There is one promise that he does give us. In chapter 6, verse 8, he says, Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And that's my word for you this morning, is don't give up. Don't give up in walking in your purpose and your calling of loving and serving one another. Don't give up. Because at the proper time, not your time, but at the proper time, which is God's appointed time, you will reap a harvest. There is a reward. But it doesn't come at my time or your time. It comes at his time. There's a purpose for your freedom. And let's enjoy our freedom by loving and serving people. Let's get outside of ourselves. Let's identify our sphere of influence. God, who are the people that you've put around me that I need to serve and love? Okay, I see those people, God. Now, what are their needs? What way can I step in and meet their need? But not only that, in what way can I point them to Jesus? What way can I show them the love of Jesus? Your freedom has given you an opportunity. An opportunity to do good to all people. Not for us to be judgmental. Not for us to be jerks. Man, just be kind to people. Be kind, be nice. Some people just need you to be nice. Some people just need you to smile at them. Man, show people that you enjoy your freedom. But don't give up. Because at the proper time, you will reap a harvest.